Welcome to the 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast. Real conversations about mental wellness because no one should feel alone. Join your hosts, Dr. Nicola Felton and John Fouts, as they discuss relevant topics suggested by listeners just like you. Keep in mind that our content is for edutainment purposes only since a podcast is a one-way street. We hope that we can inspire you and give you some laughs while we're at it. I know, you know, you see the t-shirts everywhere where it's like, you know, stay calm. What's it? Stay calm. Call the doctor talking about doctor who, or, you know, stay calm, call God or something. I don't know. You know, but just whatever helps you stay calm. If it is putting on some symphonic music, some sort of orchestra stuff. If it is sitting down with a hot cup of tea on the back porch, overlooking the woods, whatever it is do it <laughs> we all need some zen right now this this world is just swirling so um but again the topic today is how to love someone or support them um through mental illness that's not just going to um that's not going to be solved that they are on a different planet not understanding what is what's real um and and that's just one facet. I'm sure you can come up with a lot of other instances that that you just know are going to be ongoing. And you mm-hmm. you have you're in it for the long haul because you love this person, because you support them. Uh, but it, it it's a tough road to walk. So what would you say to somebody? Um, you know, I had come up with the example. There's a really good Christmas movie that Michelle and I will watch uh, sometimes in July as well. Love Actually. And this is probably 20 years old. I can't remember how old it is, but anyway, it's, it's an ensemble piece and you have so many different people, different groups, different storylines, and they're all trying to find love. And it happens to take place at Christmas, which is ultimately, you know, considered the season for love. Uh, But everybody is trying to figure out who they are and find love and find contentment and so many barriers and everybody's trying to overcome them. And so there's a sister whose brother has been institutionalized and I think it's almost like uh, a beautiful mind, the Russell Crowe movie, you know, where it's, you mm-hmm. know, he really believed that he was a spy, that he was interpreting all these, um, you know, all these messages and that he was taking part in stopping a covert air, uh, effort to take over the United States. I can't remember the exact plot, mm-hmm. but um, what he was schizophrenic and he believed that he was talking to this general. He believed that he had all this paperwork they had to go through and mm-hmm. interpret all these different mathematical equations. Well, similarly, um, this woman um, works. I can't remember. I think it's a newspaper, but anyway, um, her brother is institutionalized and he thinks that, you know, he's been imprisoned and he thinks his sister did it to him. And and so he will call her up multiple times during the day, losing his mind, for lack of a better term, and just unloading on her. And she has to calm him down. And she has a crush on this other person. She wants to have a life, but she can't because her brother consistently gets in the way. And she always chooses her brother, regardless of the situation. She'll leave a meeting. She'll leave a date. Um, all to calm her brother down and she'll go see him in the hospital. And, uh, but it, it, it takes a toll on her because she cannot, um, she can't get what she wants and what she needs. She is very sacrificial. Um, and 
here's another uh, little side note, and then I'm going to just pass the mic off to you. Um, I, I occasionally will watch Russell Brandt's uh, video vlogcast podcast, wherever you want to call it. Um, the little snippets. I haven't ever watched an entire episode, but he was bringing up the fact that uh, very creative people um, have such extreme highs and lows versus non-creatives are much more content in every moment. So he said that, and I agree with this, um, that if you are very creative, you will be on top of the world um, and then you will and you you feel very relevant and you feel very useful and successful and all that. But then, you know, give it a week, give it two weeks, whatever. And you may find yourself beating your head against the wall because you can't find a way to get through this impasse and then you start doubting your relevance and talent and stuff like that. And so, um, and Russell very, very honestly said, you know, I think it's easier to be the, the one who, you know, the creative person, um, versus the one who loves that person, because that's, that's tough for that person to be there and help encourage them and then ride along with them during the good. And then, you know, again, encourage them during the bad. But so, but mm-hmm. that's a choice that someone makes. I love this person at their core and I will take them good or bad. It's like the old uh, fashioned marriage vows, you know, for better or worse. And um, so anyway, but it's, it's one, it, how, what do you say to somebody who is that person who brings their significant other or their, their sibling or, or parent or whatever in and says, look, um, this person needs help. How can I support them through this or along along the long haul well when you you're looking at someone who has uh, mental health issues they've already been diagnosed and you're just bringing them in trying to see how you can support starting from from that end of knowing what's wrong um i, I would always invite people just like what you said earlier um it's really kind of changing the environment we continuously do the same thing and keep people in very similar situations and they stay stuck and you stay stuck. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think being able to um, alter the environment is the best thing we can do. That's, that's the start of everything. Um, the series of books that I've been posting for the last three years are about um, alternating colors with children that have behavior issues and very specific children with eating disorders and a book about children with autism and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. but sometimes we overstimulate ourselves with color. So it's the same type of situation. It's like you can mm-hmm. overstimulate yourself with someone who is triggering someone with a mental health problem. But if you can change that, just like simply, you know, changing the color, um, mm-hmm. and then you can help kind of, uh, narrow down what's triggering, um, their behavior, what's triggering their disorder, what's causing the medicine to not work. Like when you, um, spoke of a beautiful mind in that movie, you know, remember in the very end of that, um, they, in doing an interview um, to the doctor and said, you know, how did you do it? How did you get through it? And it's like, it was this big breakthrough moment of him being able to share what worked for him and what could work for mm-hmm. others. And he said, right, they never mm-hmm. did stop. They never right. did go away. Um, And he continued on with the same environment. Like he would come from teaching to be at home for a while, then go back to teaching. And so teaching and being in the school, for me, looking at that movie, which was Mm -hmm. actually my actual favorite movie, was was a trigger for him. It was that was what put him in a position of strength, but also put him in a position of thinking that other people are depending on me. Other people think Mm -hmm. that, you know, that they need me, that 
and and so I need to act a certain way or be a certain way. And I think that there was a stress around a trigger for him um, as to why um, his roommate's niece never grew up, um, mm-hmm. which was his his like day of realization in, in the movie. It was, but, but yeah, um, it it never changed. None of the medicine never worked. Uh, but mm-hmm. he was brilliant beyond our imagination mm-hmm. to be able to think himself through that, you know, mm-hmm. but not everyone has that, the ability to do that. And oftentimes we have people that are extremely intelligent, um, that put a lot of extra pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're so smart. People have these expectations or they think people have these expectations right. and then, um, they take whatever it is that they're doing to the next level. Um, so you have to find out what makes people uh, work in a positive way. You have to find out what keeps them from being triggered. Um, you have to find out with each individual person with the mental health problems, what keeps them healthy. And that's mm-hmm. the area you want to do your best to keep them in if you're going to be their support. Uh, and I think that that's, that's important. So I think, you know, modifying the environment and really kind of figuring out, you know, what the triggers are. If you, Take a person with mental health problems to therapy. They will help you discover what the triggers are, but then you have to be mindful of them and realize this person may be triggered. Because I can't tell you how many times, especially with uh, people with eating disorders, how some family members will say, do you think you had enough? Or, um, <laughs> you know, did you, are you going to eat? I remember a question came up this week where um, a supportive family member said to the person with the eating disorder, um, did you eat all your breakfast or did you throw it away like usual? Mm. And she's trying to think of a clever response because she had eaten her breakfast. Clever response back to that is, you know, so of course the, the response was, you know, just being angry and why would you ask me that? And, um, right. and so you try to teach the other person too how to just answer the question. Yes, I ate, you know, and, and move on. But we forget that we can be triggered to those people with mental health problems mm-hmm. and once they're triggered they're not able to say you just triggered me right what you said was triggering to me or right. that was you know not necessary it makes me feel uncomfortable and so we try to teach mental health people when they're in their stable mind to be able to say what they need to say to get mm-hmm. what they need from the other person but for people that are severely mentally ill and i am talking about anxiety disorder and um, depression and other behavior disorders still talking about bipolar, anything that um, uh, medicine can help you through, you Mm -hmm. still sometimes get to a point where you cannot talk about and share what's going on with you. And you cannot say, I'm being triggered right now. Um, And and then if the person is on the other end, if you're supposed to be a supportive person, a person does say to you, they are being Mm -hmm. triggered, then you you don't don't waste your breath trying to explain to them that you're not trying to trigger them. Mm Right. It's even more triggering just to <laughs> say, okay, and kind of like right. realize what you're doing. I can't tell right. you how many conversations have been had of I'm being brave enough to say what you said just triggered me. And I would appreciate it if you would not do that. Um, right. And it comes out as when you, I feel I need because, and you kind of finish the sentence. But the mm-hmm. other person is supposed to be the supportive person goes, I have no idea what you're talking about because I was not trying to trigger you. I was just trying to help you. And you're just taking right. this somewhere else. Okay, so now you're just making the situation worse. Because right. it's not about what your intent was. It's the, it's the uh, impact versus intent. Your intent may have been to be supportive, but your impact was that you were triggering. And so you right. have to go with how that person feels and how they're telling you. So if you're going to be a supportive person, you have to be open-minded. 
You have mm-hmm. to listen to what they're what they're saying, and you have to proceed with caution. You know, being mm-hmm. mindful and aware of what you have learned. So, but I mm-hmm. do believe changing the changing the environment and moving a person out of a situation is a good thing. The same thing if you have a, have a person that's a victim of abuse or a victim of violence, mm-hmm. um, they're going to repeat that cycle if they remain in that situation. But if you take them out of that situation and show them what a different sense of normalcy, then they're likely not to repeat that behavior. They're mm. likely to learn from it. That's why sometimes you have children who are in situations where family members are racist and so forth. Then they go to college and they meet people of different nationalities and cultures. They begin to embrace the cultures and they come home and the parents are like, I have no idea what's wrong with you. This is not how we raised you. Why mm-hmm. are you friends with them? And they're saying, you guys are in your own little world, but the real world out there is not like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... So when you take them out of that environment, and if they're if they're met with people that are more open-minded and more culturally diverse, then they would be more open-minded and more culturally diverse. So they've been removed out of the, the bigot environment, and right. they want to go back to that. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's the same difference. I don't think mental health is any different than anything else. If you move someone out of a negative environment and mm-hmm. uplift them in a positive environment, their health will improve, their mental health will improve. Um, their insight will improve. Uh, and so that's that's one of the biggest things. And so I know you had made a comment about certain people, they go in certain families and like all the people <laughs> are going to lose their minds, right? Right. So don't get involved with that family. Don't, you know, get close. Right. Like you can see this, it's all over the, the media. So if you can see there's something bad going on right. in that situation, um, don't do it. You know, I had um, one lady that was in an abusive relationship and um, she was really surprised that her husband was abusive to her because her husband was her ex-best friend's ex-husband. Wow. Um, and so her ex-best friend used to tell her about how abusive he was. But he mm-hmm. would tell her, oh, you know, I'm doing this, blah, blah. They ended up having an affair. So mm-hmm. her ex-best friend, who was the best friend at the time, broke up, got a divorce from her husband. She married the same man. And he repeated that cycle of behavior with her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, did you not believe your best friend like you saw bruises on her like did you like what were you thinking so you put right. yourself in the situation where 10 years down the road you're married to this man that's abusive and you mm-hmm. no longer even have a best friend to talk about it too because of you know what you knew but people right. do that to themselves they see yeah. one side and they think oh it's not that bad it's more like this and then it happens mm-hmm. so I, I i think mental health is very much like anything else if it's a toxic situation the only way the mental health is going to improve yes therapy yes medication but yes a new and better environment mm-hmm. um, so one thing that came to mind was i've heard people you know talk about you know well i'm having to walk on eggshells all the time now which is a very minefield mentality how can people organize the the triggers on one side and keep a free path to walk down and live their own lives on the other side? Well, I think people are in in different situations. Um, But I don't think it matters whether you're a parent or a sibling, extended family member, um, friend. I think it's important to make sure you're managing your own mental health in the mm-hmm. process of helping support someone else who has mental health problems. Because mm-hmm. what happens is that, uh, say I suffer from 
let's just say anxiety. We'll keep it mm-hmm. simple. Right. And um, I don't want to do some things when I go in, out and do some things. I have you there with me and you're talking me through things. But mm-hmm. sometimes I get in this in this panic mode and it's just, you know, just very disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that that's, it's disruptive. I know when it's coming on, but I'm not talking to you about it. And I'm assuming that if I break down and I go and lose lose it, you're going to be there for me, right? Well, eventually you're going to break down too emotionally. And so I, with whatever's going on with me, still have to have the, the wherewithal to be able to stop, to be able mm-hmm. to stop myself. It's like, um, so even simpler, let's say I'm an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? It's okay if you want to drink, you know, um, I'll go and I'll be the designated driver. So I go with you, I'm the designated driver. You're drunk, I get drunk. Nobody's supporting anybody and we're both going home. So the next right. time we get ready to go out and you said, okay, we're going to try this again and be designated driver, I should be able to say, you know what? I don't think I'm strong enough to be able to be a designated driver. Mm-hmm. Remember what happened last time. Right. Um, and so that's that's one thing is that if you are, it's, it's a difference between being a supportive person and being an enabler. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to be able to know when you're crossing over that. And if you're not able to know the, the person that's supportive, if their person is not able to know, the person that you are supporting needs to know. Somebody mm-hmm. has to know. Um, right. So we're not talking about severely mentally ill. We're not talking about people who cannot think clearly. We're talking about supporting someone who do have moments of clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to put all that in perspective. And if you're enabling someone and you're just always the fall guy kind of thing, you're not being supportive. Mm-hmm. You're just being the person they fall on and you're holding them up when they fall, but that's not being supportive because they're not learning. Mm-hmm. If you're being supportive, then then when they have their moments of clarity, they're going to know that you were there for them. They're going to you know, want to uh, apologize for putting you in that position and they're going to work with you to help them be better which means they're going to take their medication. They're going to tell you when they're feeling uncomfortable. They're going to speak Mm -hmm. up and tell you when they're being triggered. They're not Mm -hmm. going to just keep using you and taking advantage of you just being there for them. So you do have to determine whether or not you're being a supportive person or or whether or not you're being an enabler or whether or not you're just simply being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there are some areas of mental health where people who have mental health issues still have moments of clarity and it's like, well, you know, if you're going to do this for me, then, you know, cause it, just because you have mental health issues doesn't mean you're, you don't have common sense because you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to be able to determine how are you helping and if what you're doing is helping. And if you're not helping a person and you're enabling them and you can't stop yourself, then mm-hmm. you need to make changes for yourself. You need to move on. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, I think some people, see that as you know like i've got to be stronger i've got i have to be the person this person needs but that's not necessarily your place you know what i mean Uh, it's there are times where just like you're saying you need to step back and go wow you know what i am not helping this situation i am making it worse um and i've i've got to step back i've got to leave this situation before it starts eating away at my own mind. And I think some people don't see, I mean, I think when you can acknowledge that you have this weakness, as far as I am not enough to look after this person that needs 
psychotherapy. You know what I mean? Because I can encourage, mm-hmm. but I can't say that you, you know the math for lack of a better term. So you can speak more directly to the needs of the individual versus, you know, me, Hey, I try to encourage, I try to be optimistic and, um, but that's two totally different things. And I think there is power in knowing your strengths and weaknesses and acknowledging it and say, you know what? This I can't do with this. Just like what you were talking about when, you know, hey, will you be my designated driver? Sure. Even though I've been only sober for three months, I'm going to go into that mm-hmm. bar and I'm going to be strong. Right. No, I failed. Mm-hmm. And you're beating yourself up. It's kind of like, well, I didn't know that that lioness was going to eat me. She's hungry. Mm-hmm. It's what she does. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's the yeah. same thing. And we we have to we have to be real about this stuff. Exactly. So how and, much? And I think that that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that go ahead. Go very ahead. important point. You have to be real. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. I know some people, they don't want to celebrate the little wins. I know as far as Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, they celebrate 24 hours sober, a week sober, a month, a year, whatever. You know what I mean? They they want you to feel the accomplishment. But then there are people who don't want to do that because they feel like, well, if I say yes, a month of not doing whatever, then I'm going to fail because I'm going to focus on it. So I'm not even going to celebrate it. So how important is celebrating those small wins every step forward um, versus saying, well, only after I've been sober for 10 years can I celebrate. And I'm not saying celebrate, go out with Jack Daniels. I'm just saying to celebrate mm. with your friends. I mean, I I have um, a cousin up in the New Jersey area. He has been sober for 17 years, if I'm remembering correctly. And every year he posted on Facebook and we all congratulate him. And we're proud of him because that was eating away his life. Um, now he has a relationship with his kids again. I mean, like it's it's a great thing. Um, another friend of mine who is a dentist, we've talked about him numerous times. Um, you know, he has been clean and sober from, cause he got hooked on Oxy. He was in an accident, had a whole bunch of other problems going on in his life. Uh, and so he's been clean and sober for, I think 15 years. It's hard for me to keep up with the high numbers, but, um, mm-hmm. I, so I'd have to check back in and he goes and speaks at different, um, you know, he'll go and speak at different events saying, uh, you know, like, uh, it's not Alcoholic Anonymous, but I guess it's some sort of anonymous group, um, drugs or whatever. But yeah, he'll go and share his testimony and and what he was in and what he got out of, how he did it, and as an encouragement to people. But how how much is it important to celebrate those small wins? I mean, I think it's very important to to celebrate. It's up up to the Mm -hmm. person, because some people... We'll say, well, they don't want to celebrate because they don't want to jinx themselves. Well, that's just, you know, <laughs> right, really. Right. That's the term I was looking thinking. for. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, but whatever the case may be, uh, I mean, I celebrated a, a week with a, a client who went a week from purging. Mm-hmm. And um, someone said, you know, I, you know, another professional, like, why are you celebrating a week with her? I said, because honestly, seven days ago, uh, I saw her purge. Like, mm. that she had no ability to control herself even in front of me Mm -hmm. and we were working on on her so it's like if you can't control yourself sitting there with someone who is helping (laughs) you yeah you need to celebrate day one day two day three because Mm -hmm. that speaks volumes to your ability to um you know to be self-controlled 
Mm-hmm. The the other thing is when we're talking about wins, if we don't celebrate the day, we don't mm-hmm. celebrate the week, if we don't celebrate the month, when I'm talking to you and we're trying to work through how much you've accomplished, if mm-hmm. we haven't celebrated anything and you don't, you're not listening to anything that I'm telling you to try and encourage you and uplift you, I can't even share your wins with you because we didn't celebrate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I use that as a, as a, um, I guess like a jump off, jump off board to remind them you have gone a day without this. You have gone a week without mm-hmm. this. You have done it before. Like one of the questions I asked um, my clients in the very beginning, you know, and they'll say, oh, you know, last there, this I had was horrible. Um, and I said, but tell me what worked. Tell me mm-hmm. what about that situation worked for you. Well, nothing worked. Well, you saw it for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't relax until you weren't seeing them. So even though your memory is that they were horrible because you're back in treatment, what worked? Because there are things that work that you no longer do. We want to be, you know, kind of revisit those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to celebrate is my is my point. You have to be able to um, to know how far you've come, mm-hmm. um, to know how far you can go uh, and what you can accomplish. So I think I think it's very important to celebrate whether it was successful or not, you tried. Like that's mm-hmm. a big deal, right? And uh, and and to never give up, just keep trying. Mm-hmm. But very very important to to celebrate small gains. Hmm. How much? Um, how do you get beyond the stigma of certain titles that people are given? Whether it's alcoholic, whether it's schizophrenic. Um, because that was another topic, and, and we can elaborate it a, a lot more if you want to do an entire episode about it. But I feel like the definition of so many words, it's almost like divorce. Before I was divorced, that was such an awful word. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my gosh, the D word. How can you even fathom getting a divorce? But the marriage was not working and it was best for all involved if divorce happened. And once I was divorced, then I was able to look at that word, that term and see it not as this awful beast that everyone was fearful of. And, oh, my gosh, it's just this big mountainous uh, monster. Uh, I saw it for what it was. And so I think a lot of other words, uh, descriptors and and such, uh, especially when it, it comes to mental illness, you know, for someone to be depressed, they're depressed. And so then you find, you know, this is what is, you know, this is your issue. So let's see how to deal with it. I, to me, a diagnosis is a powerful positive because you figured out what's wrong. Why am I never happy? Why am I, um, I don't know, why, why am I always stealing things from the store? You know, there's so many, but I feel like that's a first step. But I think so many people are afraid of the stigma attached to a diagnosis. So how do you diffuse that in someone's mind so that they can be accepting and move forward with, with uh, treatment? Well, you know, honestly, as a mental health professional, I, I do not like um, labels, but I mm-hmm. do believe um, diagnoses are important. We need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to know what's going on, mm-hmm. um, what you've been diagnosed with, whether or not it's an accurate diagnosis, because sometimes we have diagnoses that are incorrect, but it tells right. me what to look for. So I have a, a baseline to know where to start with you. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that um, the solution to the the issue 
or the negativity associated with a label or associated mm-hmm. with the diagnosis. I don't think it's centered around the diagnosis itself or the person with the diagnosis. I think that one way to combat it is the person who is not diagnosed and how we're looking at and judging people. I think mm-hmm. we need to check ourselves and, mm-hmm. and realize that just because this person is depressed or suffers from depression just because this person has anxiety just because this person is bipolar doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they can't do the job or they can't be in this relationship or they can't do these things i this other side of of us who Mm -hmm. don't have diagnosis and mental health problems so to speak although okay i do believe everybody has some level of mental health Mm -hmm. i agree with you (laughs) without diagnoses right right i I think it's uh, up to us not to um put people in a box and put a stigma Mm -hmm. On them, um, I've always felt like the issues surrounding anyone who has any type of diagnosis or any type of label placed on them can only be be changed when we have the support of people who don't have the same problems. Because those are yeah. um, like if I if I um, call a person a racist word, mm-hmm. I'm the problem, right? And if everyone's listening to me call this person a racist word, then they start calling him a racist word or her a mm-hmm. racist word. Right. It still comes back to me. I started it. I put this label on this person and mm-hmm. I made it be bad. Right. Right. So I have to be the one to be able to be the big person and go, you know what? I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And the people that are listening to me and they're following me, then they say, okay, it's the person we listened to was wrong. So we're wrong and we mm-hmm. apologize. And so you mm-hmm. have to, <clears throat> you have to change that uh, from within. It's just like the underground railroad. If we didn't have any, uh, people that were not of color helping on the Underground Railroad, the Underground Railroad would not have been successful. Right. Um, and so we, we we need people that appear to be part of the problem um, to be able to break that break that stigma. So that's one way we can we can do it. You can't change the diagnosis. It is what it is. You can't right. remove a label uh, because it is what it is. But mm-hmm. how you perceive that person because they diagnosed with a label mm-hmm. is something that you can do differently. Mm-hmm. So, because, and you know, I, I wish there was some website somewhere, and maybe this is something you and I need to look into at some point, but to have the success stories, the people who have, you know, they've been diagnosed with uh, a certain disorder, but yet they have um, succeeded in life despite it. Does that make any sense? So that, you know, they didn't, they didn't leave it in the wayside and now they're free. Um, they struggle with things. I, I know different, um, you know, comedians in particular, they suffer from depression, but yet they continue working. Um, I am quite confident that some of the uh, producers and directors out there in Hollywood have mental issues, but yet they use it for their advantage, whether it's the focus, the extreme focus on keeping the production on track and it drives everybody crazy, but in the at the end of production, they are on schedule or ahead of schedule, and it is only because that person was just absolutely this. We've got to stay on track, you know, because those people always tap in their watch. That that can get under your skin. It used to get under my skin, although I appreciated them and said, "Don't stop." But um, but I mean, I to have a website full of the success stories where people have lived with something there's the the um the actor who is on i think it's days of our lives and um he's bipolar and he tried to kill his wife and in the kitchen pulled a knife on her and and she you know i can't remember how she escaped but anyway instead of shunning him they embraced him 
the people at work, the producers, directors, and all of his cast, and they all keep a check on him. And just like you were talking about, you know, we they knew the triggers and they knew he needed to be on meds and they accommodated and they, they, you know, they still expected him to perform and he continued. I mean, like if, if that uh, TV show was still on, cause I don't keep up with soaps, then I guarantee you he's still on there because um, he's a great actor, but people supported him and loved him through this and, mm-hmm. and continue to. So I would like to have a website where people can be encouraged that people do, succeed with these these uh with these issues if that makes any sense i'm trying to be very generic (laughs) i don't know how that's coming across (laughs) at all (laughs) no that makes perfect sense yeah Um, yeah we um and it's different too when you have a group of people um supporting a person but when you're the only person Mm -hmm. that's doing it it's um it can take a toll on you Mm mm-hmm so I've seen it in uh, families with parents, um, and there's only one, um, you know, one or two children maybe at the most that mm-hmm. are being supportive. The other ones become very resentful of the other children, saying, you know, you're not helping me with mom or dad. You know, mm-hmm. you're not being supportive, and you're just kind of leaving everything up to me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's difficult. Yeah. And what what. <sighs> And I know we've discussed this. We uh, devoted an entire podcast to finding the things that make you happy, whether it's a uh, a job, whether it's a hobby, whether it's um, meditation, you know, uh, uh, physical fitness, whatever. But what would you say to the 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 support person, whether it's parent, child, sibling, lover, whatever? Um, how do you encourage them to find their own support, both emotionally having a friend, someone, but also um, finding what calms them, whether it's meditation, whether it's woodwork, um, you know, so that they have that that safe place where they can just process. How do you suggest people find that? I mean, there's a lot of um, support groups. Some just call them mental health support group. Um and just like for alcoholic anonymous, they have children of alcoholics and uh, parents of, you know, alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of support groups that are around that people could join. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't find one, I guarantee you can start one and you will have to. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, so that's, that's one way to get help. But I think, um, you know, there was a saying, there's you know, every good therapist needs a therapist. Now I say every good therapist needs a coach, but um, <laughs> everyone needs, you know, someone and you have to know that it weighs heavy on you like even people in um you know therapists psychologists psychotherapists whatever when they're working with people it can be overwhelming to take in all that information mm-hmm. um for so many people and then like what do you do with it and some of it can be triggering to whatever else you had going on like when you were a kid or whatever so it's mm-hmm. important for those people who help other people like that's your job to help other people to mm-hmm. um, have a support system for yourself as well Especially when, you know, with confidentiality and so forth, you can't talk about, um, you know, someone who came into the office and they said something that was triggering to you. You can't just talk to somebody about that. And so that's why I like (laughs) supervisors and I like mentors because you can't process and talk to them about it without, you know, naming the person's name and identifying them and so forth. Right. We all have to have support when you're doing that job because contrary to popular belief, you can't just brush it off and keep going. (laughs) It's heavy. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. Oh, it's it's like uh, Aunt May said to Peter Parker in the uh, Sam Raimi, the first Spider-Man uh, movie. And she said, you're not Superman, you know. And I think that's something we all need to be reminded. You know, it's um, we are all human. And that's something that Michelle reminds me a lot is that, you know, you're not Thor. You're not Superman. You're you're not a superhero in, in you know, so uh, I do have to, um, you know, sometimes step back and go, you know what? You're right. I can't uh, work for 24 hours straight or I can't, you know, go out and mow the lawn in the middle of the day when it's 100 degrees. So. You know, just logic, but sometimes that eludes mm-hmm. me. So, <laughs> yep. it seems like there was one more question that I had, and now I've lost it, and I did not write it down as I have been doing throughout the whole podcast. But do you have any closing oh. thoughts or anything? Or, well, I mean, I think that, um, like the most important aspect when we're talking about how do you support someone with mental health. I think some of the key takeaways is to make sure you're being supportive and not enabling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's a, if they're family or close friends, it's a fine line between mm-hmm. the two. Uh, because then you feel like enabling, you feel mm-hmm. a sense of obligation to them. Right. Um, and, the lines are very blurred between am I helping them? Um, and are, if you're saying to yourself, if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. If I don't do it, then they're going to fall on their face. If mm-hmm. I don't do it. So you're placing yourself in a position of impossibility where mm-hmm. you're now their savior. Um, right. At that point, you're enabling them. Um, if anyone's ever seen that, that show, Full Metal Jacket, mm-hmm. um, there was a, a point in there when you know, Private Pyle uh, finally kind of caught his his niche, so to speak, when he was doing his weapon, you know. Mm-hmm. And he had mental health problems. We all know that. And they were triggered by the whole soap party they gave him um, versus trying to be supportive uh, to him when he was struggling. They decided mm-hmm. to give him a soap party, right? Um, but then they had this one uh, recruit that got to the point where you know, he first he was talking to him and he was supporting him. You could do it. I got you. You got this. Then you saw it goes to the scene where he's buttoning his clothes. He's tying his shoes. So it went from being a helper to being an enabler. So that means Kyle no longer did anything for himself. Mm-hmm. You were doing everything. You were doing all the work. So that, that's a fine line that you cross. Mm-hmm. And once you cross that line, there's no coming back. Like in the end, I was very surprised that he wasn't one of the ones that were actually killed by Kyle mm-hmm. because Kyle had he had lost it but that's the, that's that fine line you you cross and eventually these people get to a point people that are struggling get to a point where they don't even care that you're dressing them or that you're you know putting on their shoes that you're doing everything for them because they have lost all hope and mm-hmm. faith in themselves and you hear a lot of i can't do it i can't do it without you i can't do it without you that's because you you crossed over to the point of enabling them where you feel as though they're not going to succeed unless you're there and they feel as though they're not going to succeed unless mm-hmm. you're there. And so if you're supporting someone, you're encouraging them to do things on their own. You're mm-hmm. encouraging people to write notes on a mirror to say, remind them to take their medication, remind mm-hmm. them how wonderful they are. Right. Um, you know, things to show them, you know, how successful they could be when they are doing well. So that's one of the big things, big takeaways is make sure you're not being an enabler, you're being a supportive person. Mm-hmm. And know and know the difference. The other thing is, uh, when you're being a support system, get yourself a support system as well. 
mm-hmm. for me that's a that's a big thing like you have to be able to to talk about and share how you feel or what you're going through have to be able to recognize your own triggers um so that you don't cross over to an area where you know you're depressed um mm-hmm. because you can't fully be there for someone else but um there's that whole thing that talks about the the airplane you know when the airplane's gonna crash or go down or mm-hmm. people are gonna lose oxygen and they always tell you you know cover your face first and then cover the other person. <laughs> right. Because reality of it is, like, if you're there with your child and you mm-hmm. put a face mask on your on your child and then you die, right? What was the point? Right. What was the point? You can't you can't, you can't say yourself with a baby, um, and so you have to remember to uh, take care of yourself first to mm-hmm. make sure that that you're being healthy and you're practicing self care um, mm-hmm. before you try to help someone else. Right. Um, you know, it's, that's I, like saying, mm-hmm. yeah. They're saying, if oh. you got a dollar, you go to the grocery store, and what you're buying costs 98 cents. And, right. And you, it's something that you really, truly need. I have no idea what that could be. But <laughs> someone someone comes up to you and says, you have a dollar. Well, mm-hmm. if what you really need costs a dollar, you really can't give them a dollar. Right. I, I don't think this being selfish at all. No. However, if, if, if what you're buying is a tie to get a job, mm-hmm. so you can go and have a job interview to get a job and make more money, then go yeah. ahead and get your tie. Make yeah. more money, and then you can share money with the other person. Right. You know, because um, there's this thing in the South, like, you know, I give my last, but then where does it leave you? Right. Yep. I give you the shirt off my back, and then mm-hmm. I'm shirtless, and I'm either cold or getting sunburned. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know you, you've got to you've help yourself first. So, it doesn't mean step on somebody's back to do what you need to do, but you got to make sure you're taken care of uh, so you're able to take care of others. So. Right. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast. Follow us on Instagram at 18 Degrees Below Horizon and on Twitter at 18 Degrees Below. You'll find links to your host's social media accounts there too. If you have topics you want to hear discussed, reach out to us via social media or our extra long email address, 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, happiness is possible.